Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, this is Rick Porterfield, and welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, Over the last several weeks, I've been talking about... um, Covering the sessions that Rebecca and I will do with a couple if we, you know, counsel with them individually, or I say individually as a couple. And one of the key things for them to do is take what they hear and apply it. Basically, we'll typically assign homework, and during the the week after that session, they go and do the homework. So I hope you're applying, even if you're the only one listening. I hope you're taking what you hear and are applying it. You know, it says in James chapter one that it's the doers that are blessed in what they do, that if we're just hearing, that we're deceiving ourselves. So we need to be doing what we hear. But anyway, I want to move on today and talk about roles in marriage. And specifically, I'm going to start talking about the roles of the husband and the roles of the wife in the marriage relationship and what the Bible has to say about that. And I'll tell you, this probably is the most misunderstood and mistaught thing to do with marriages from a Christian perspective, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that very well, but I think that that a lot of people have just got this wrong, <laughs> how how the husband and the wife uh, are to conduct themselves in relation to each other in the marriage. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, misunderstanding about this, so I really think this will be enlightening. Um, anyway, so let's just jump into this. I'm going to start off talking about the role of the husband, okay? And... Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm going to talk about headship. Now, I think when people talk about the role of the husband, talk about being the head, again, it's misunderstood what that means. So bear with me here. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11.3. And these scriptures are from the New King James Version. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay. Now, I just want to point something out. We're going to read another scripture. You have to kind of read scripture and, and balance it. You know, you don't want to take one scripture out of context. If you take the scripture out of context, you're just left, left with a con. So we don't want that. But it says here, some people I've seen take this scripture and say that every man is the head of every woman because it says the head of woman is man. That's not true. Okay, that's wrong. The next scripture we're going to read is going to show this. But the only person on this earth that would be the head of Rebecca would be me as her husband. Okay, now, again, stay with me here. There's a big misunderstanding about what it means to be the head. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Okay? So the husband's head of the wife. This clarifies. Not every man is the head of every woman. The husband is head of the wife. Now, look at this. It goes on and says, As also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. This tells us that, that you know, there is an office here that, of headship that the husband has. And it's an office of authority and responsibility. The word head is an authority word, okay? And then it goes on and says in Ephesians 5.23, as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body, that defines responsibility. And a lot of times in marriage, 
and maybe you've seen this. I've certainly seen this over the years. People tend to focus on the head part, the you know the authority part, and they just typically miss the responsibility part. And that responsibility again is to uh, you know, we're the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and the savior of the body. That's a very interesting phrase there. Um, anyway, let's keep keep going here. This shows us that Christ is our example of headship. So it says, you know, the husband's head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the example. So what I want to take some time and do here is look at some attributes or characteristics of Christ's headship that the husband should be exercising in marriage. You know, you can look at Jesus, Jesus, how he uh, conducted himself on the earth in relation to the church in regard to people and tell a lot about how a husband should be treating his wife because it says the husband's head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, right? And Christ Jesus, when he walked the earth, was was uh, instituting the church. He was bringing the church into being. Okay, so here's some attributes, again, of Christ's headship that I, as the husband of my wife, Rebecca, should follow. One is to love them. You know, the Bible tells us that Christ's love is unconditional. You can look at Romans 8, 38 and 39 for that. Ephesians 5, 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So we're supposed to love our wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I think a lot of times as husbands, as we think I'm the head, I'm the boss, I'm in authority, she needs to give herself for me. That is not what the scripture says. I mean, I think there is a giving it both ways, but we, we tend to focus on, okay, she needs to give herself for me. That should not be my focus as the head. As the head, I need to be focusing on, I need to love my wife and give myself for her, okay? That's how Jesus conducted his life. That's how we are to love our wives. Another attribute of, of Christ's headship, and I'm moving through these pretty quickly. I could probably talk about any one of these for half an hour. So I'm just kind of hitting the high points here. If you want to get more, by the way, go go to Amazon and get our book. Just search for Porterfield Marriage by the Book, and it'll come up, and it's right there. But there's a lot more information there. Anyway, Another characteristic, and real, this is related to love, is to be other-centered. You know, Jesus was very other-centered. He put others above himself. He wasn't self-centered. He was other-centered. Think of what Jesus said in Mark ten forty-five. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, I, as the husband, shouldn't be expecting to, I shouldn't be expecting Rebecca to serve me. I should be serving her. This is counter to how a lot of people think, okay? Both in the United States and overseas, we've done conferences and, and things in both places, Africa, Europe, here in the USA. And typically, people tend to think that, that the wife's there to serve them. And what I'm reading here to you from Scripture really is not showing that. Now, I think there is an aspect on both people. We need to both be other-centered, et cetera. But here we see the, the Bible calling the husband out, the head out as the one who ought to be leading in this, leading in serving, leading in loving, leading in being other-centered. You know, another thing here um, we need to consider is that the husband in being other-centered should put their wife's needs above their own. A lot of times we think, hey, you know, I'm the boss. I'm like the president of the company kind of thing. And we think, you know, she ought to be 
putting my needs above hers. I, I need to put my needs first. That's not what this is saying. You know, it takes faith to do this stuff. It's counterintuitive to how we think. So it takes some faith, faith to do this. Let's move along. I could go along on this podcast easily. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. Talking about the wives. If you go look at the context of this, talking about the wives. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, the wife, with understanding. We need to understand our wives. People think you can't understand women. Well, you need to make a, a, a study of understanding your wife. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, you know, there's so much there. It says weaker vessel. It doesn't say lesser value or less valuable. It doesn't say lesser. It doesn't mean less important. It means weaker. You know, physically, Rebecca's weaker than me. You know, just like a china cup might be a weaker, a weaker vessel than a coffee mug or something like that. You know, it doesn't mean it's lesser valuable. It might even be more valuable or more beautiful or whatever. Okay. That's the context of that. It's not a lesser thing. It's just a weaker vessel. And it says we're supposed to honor our wife. Okay. Too often we focus on wanting to be honored and be respected. Rather than, yeah, and we don't want to be disrespected and dishonored. And what this is telling us is we need to focus on honoring the wife. What does it mean to honor? I think we live in a society today that honors a, a lost art uh, in large part, but it means to be considerate, to respect, to give them credit, to esteem them, to regard them highly, to value them. Okay. All right, so again, these are attributes of Christ's headship characteristics that I, as the head, should copy and bring to my marriage. Okay, another attribute of Christ's headship is to see to the spiritual welfare, okay? Man, if Jesus came for any reason at all, it was to see our spiritual welfare, okay? As the head, that's what he was about. And think about this. Genesis 18, 19 says, For I have known him. This is God talking about Abraham. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Abraham, Abraham had the responsibility to take charge of things. In what way? It goes on and says that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's spoken to him. So I, as the husband, need to take, you know, see to the spiritual welfare, take charge of that aspect of my family's life. A lot of times we abdicate that to the wife. Well, she's the spiritual one. She's the one that gets the kids up and goes to church. If I go at all, you know, shouldn't be that way. I need to lead in this area. Okay. Again, God said he knew Abraham, that Abraham would command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's spoken to him. A big part of us receiving the promises of God in our lives is us getting these roles right with the husband's, the head, see into the spiritual welfare. You know, it's said there in 1 Peter 3, 7, it said we should honor our wife and live with them with understanding and give them value, etc. that our prayers may not be hindered, okay? So getting this right is key to us seeing the blessings of God manifest in our life. And there are manifested blessings that we can have, and we want to see them in our lives and our family, etc. Joshua 24, 15 says this. This is a familiar scripture probably. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, now notice Joshua's making this decision, making this declaration. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. So 
Yeah, I've actually, our kids are all grown and gone now, but when they were younger and all at home, I remember uh, setting them all down and just explaining to them that we were going to be doing things differently than other families they might know, people they might go to school with and things like this, that we were going to do things as best we could, and we didn't do it perfectly. Nobody can do this perfectly. We just do the best we can. We walk in the light that we know, but that we were going to live godly biblical lives under that instruction and and, you know here's the thing to think about in john 10 10 jesus said he came to give us life and to give it more abundantly okay it says that the devil comes to kill steal and destroy the thief the devil comes to kill steal and destroy so if we follow the instructions of the bible it's not it's not bondage it's there to give us life and to give us abundant life excuse me and one of the things we see is our prayers aren't hindered the the Lord's able to bring what he's spoken to us, etc. Part of that is getting this relationship of the husband and wife right and me walking not just in the authority part of what I have, but in the responsibility part. And part of that responsibility is to, to lay my life down, to serve, to see to the spiritual warf- welfare, to honor my wife, just to, to love them and be other-centered toward them, Okay. And we'll talk more about this in a minute. This is, like I said, this is kind of counterintuitive. How does this work? How can you be an authority and be the servant of all? This is talking about servant leadership, which is the most effective type of leadership, even in uh, management consulting and leadership consulting and things like this. Servant leadership is what works for the long haul. Okay. Anyway, um, but just as Christ was responsible for our spiritual warfare, welfare, we need to be responsible as the head for the spiritual warfare of our family. So let's move along. So the husband is an authority as the head, but that authority, now think about this, comes from the responsibility to sacrifice himself. You know, I'm not talking about probably every man would say, yeah, I'd take a bullet for my wife or kids or whatever, okay? In a big thing like that, we'd say that. But what about in the little day-in, day-out things? When you're tired, when things aren't convenient, are you going to lay your life down then and prefer your family over yourself? Think about this. Only after his crucifixion, after Jesus had made the ultimate sacrifice, only then did he say that all authority had been given to him. He said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore. So there's, there's authority and power that comes with being a living sacrifice, as it talks about in Romans 12, okay? So how does the husband lead? Let's kind of look at a practical application of this. We'll look at an example of headship in action. Now, this has certainly happened to us. Maybe it's happened to you. But suppose that that you and your wife, the husband and wife, have an argument. Maybe you've had one, okay? We have. (laughs) So even if the wife is in the wrong, okay, I don't really believe anybody's ever 100% in the wrong, but let's just use this as an example. Say that she's in the wrong. The husband, me, as the head, I have the greater responsibility to go to my wife, to go to Rebecca, and get the relationship reconciled. Man, that kills your ego. But the Bible says, we read it, that we are supposed to love as Christ loved the church. Okay, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. We read earlier how, you know, 
um, in Ephesians 5, 23, the husband's head of the wife is Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. You know, when we marry somebody, we become one flesh. We are a body, Rebecca and I, the savior of the body. I need to keep that body together, keep that body reconciled. And you'll see more of this as we go here. I need to be take the lead even in reconciling the relationship, so to speak. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, you could paraphrase that and say, Jesus took the blame when we were the ones in the wrong. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. The relationship is more important, okay? Christ humbled himself under the guilt of sin when we were the ones in the wrong. He took that sin on himself. He became sin for us, the Bible says. He paid the price, and he came to make things right even when we were the ones in the wrong. And we as the head, he did that as the head, and we as the head should do the same. The husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So we see this as Jesus' example, so we should do the same. And one of the primary responsibilities of the head is to reconcile the relationship and keep it that way, okay? Again, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. Being right is highly overrated. The relationship is more important than who's right and who's wrong. You see this throughout the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned. Okay, so here you got God. He's in the right. Mankind's in the wrong. Adam and Eve are wrong. God's in the right. God didn't do anything wrong there. But who was it that came to make the relationship right? Who left heaven, came to earth, lived as a man, took all sin on himself, died on the cross? Who did that? Who paid the price? Jesus did. See, God considers the relationship to be more important than who's right and who's wrong. And in Mark 10, 45, we saw that earlier. It told us that Jesus, the head, came to serve and not to be served. I think a lot of times as men, we think the wife's there to serve us. And, you know, love serves. So we're supposed to love each other, so we're supposed to serve. But as the head, I have the greater responsibility. I am the lead servant. You know, the prime minister. Other countries don't have presidents. They'll have something they call prime minister. What does that mean? First servant. That's what the prime minister is. So that's kind of how it is being the head in a marriage. I'm like the first servant, okay? Now, here's another scripture to think about. First John 3, 8, it says, For this reason was the Son of Man made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, what was the first work of the devil regarding the human race? Go back to Genesis and think about what he did. He separated man from God and husband from wife. Remember, Adam and Eve sinned. They ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat. And then God comes walking in the garden looking for them. And what does Adam say? Adam points the finger at God and says, this woman that you gave me. Okay, so you see separation between husband and wife and between man and God. Okay, separation of relationships. So now think of this again. First John 3, 8, for this reason was the son of man. Jesus came. Why did he come? To destroy the works of the devil, to destroy that separation between man and God and also in our relationships. That's what the head did. So I, as the head, remember, we're supposed to see to the spiritual warfare, but welfare, I keep saying warfare, welfare, but also I need to make sure that my relationship with my spouse, that I destroy the works of the devil there, that that relationship stays reconciled. Okay. I need to take the lead in that. Not that the wife can't do this. Sometimes I might be a baby and Rebecca will need to come and get things reconciled with me, but I have the greater responsibility as the head. So spiritual authorities of paradox, listen to Mark nine thirty five, And he, Jesus sat down, called the 12 to him and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, 
he shall be last of all and servant of all. So if anybody wants to be the head, you could say, this is the example he was setting, you need to be last of all and servant of all. Uh, there you go. I mean, it doesn't really get much clearer than that. Um, spiritual authority is a paradox. If the husband is to be the head of the family, as Christ was is the head of the church, and that's what works. If we try to do it some way differently, it's not going to work. Okay, it's not going to. We're not going to see the blessings in our lives. We're not going to see the family work right. We're not going to see our our prayers answered like they could be if we're not doing these things. We've looked at scripture about all this. That's what we need to do. We need to learn to give ourselves rather than focus on taking. Okay. Jesus, again, he demonstrated this in his life. But if you think about it, okay, Jesus was, he was the first servant. He, he said, he, I came to, he came to serve and not to be served. But if you think about the gospels in his life, everywhere he went, he was unquestionably in authority. Always, always, always. He unquestionably walked in power and authority. And man, we can bring that into our lives if we'll just accept our responsibility as it is given to us in the Bible and be the head that we were meant to be. Here, I'm going to leave you with one scripture, John 13, 3 and 4. This is when Jesus was getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and they had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself, and then that's when he went and washed the disciples' feet. It was because he knew who he was, and he was comfortable in that. He was comfortable with that role of being the head, the authority, the the power that came with that, and because and the love, okay, the love he had for them and the love that God had for him. And because of that, he was able to be a servant. He wasn't insecure. He wasn't worried about what are people going to think of me. This isn't how anybody else is doing it. You know, I'm God. I shouldn't be having to do this stuff. He wasn't thinking about any of that. He was thinking about loving those people and reconciling that relationship between man and God and relationships between each other, including marriage. So there's so much more I could say about headship. And just for the length of our podcast, I, I can't get into all of that. Again, the book, Marriage by the Book, uh, on Amazon. Just go there, search for that, and there's more information there. It'll give you more insight. But uh, next week, I'll be talking about the role of the wife. So again, it's misunderstood, okay? It is very much misunderstood. So that's just a little preview. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.